Oh, buddy, wish the start of this episode was a little bit of a different tone. What are we talking about today in the podcast? Hey, friends, maybe we didn't get that W out there in Cleveland, but the good news is Kyrie Irving is back on the court. He's back in the fold with James Harden and Kevin Durant. We can start to get a sense of what the offense is going to look like with them. Who's going to be the proverbial hot hand to close out games? We got not one, but two and could have had three opportunities to see who gets that game winning shot opportunity. Uh, And there's some coaching pieces here that we get into a little bit. A tip of the hat to some guys that you really would have liked to have seen perform better when they were in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. So um, overall, it's not an overreaction piece. Let's ease ourselves into it. Take away the positives, discard the negatives, and just move right along to that next game against Cleveland. I'm not going to do what everyone thinks I'm going to do and just overreact to this. <laughs> I, I made the promise. I, I think I held pretty firm during the podcast today. Can't promise. Might have might have broken that promise one or two times. You did say to trade though. Kevin Durant, though, which I thought was weird. <laughs> I did say Jeff Green was our fourth star on Twitter uh, at one point. All right. <laughs> we're going to get into it all. But first, the theme music. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Nets podcast and the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Doug Norrie, owner and operator of DFSR.com. For all your betting and NBA DFS needs. And over there is Adam Armbrecht. You know him. He's the voice of the Brooklyn Nets for the uh, Sportscaster, where he's doing NBA analysis as well. Buddy, how are we doing? Well, you know, it could be better, I suppose. Uh, (laughs) You know, if you're going to make me go double overtime, you better pay it off at the back end. Uh, When Sexton drained the three at the end of the first overtime, I texted you, LOL, a bad word, and then this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was like, this is unbelievable. So we're coming at you basically right after a brutal double overtime loss for the Nets to the Cavs here on Wednesday. It was, was, this game had everything. I tweeted out during it that that we could do eight podcasts about it. We're going to do a couple, no matter, we're not going to get to the entire game today in this podcast. I'm just going to tell you right now, it was just too much, too much going on here from the, who was coming back to the starters, to the minutes, to the game, to the overtime, to the double overtime, to the, they have it won, they have it lost. I, I don't know. It's, uh, there was there was so much in this game, and in the end, it's it, it was sort of felt anticlimactic because <laughs> they end up losing by what well, they lose by twelve. I, I just kind of yeah, stopped. 147, yeah, one forty seven, one thirty five. Right. Yeah, and that's by the way, in a lot of games in general and in the NBA, overtime games usually more often than not do end up like this a little bit because one team runs out of gas essentially, or I guess one guy goes nuclear if you want if you want to talk about Sexton and the way he looked in that second overtime. All right, so we'll go back through the game here. We'll get to we'll try to hit all phases of it. We'll um and we'll we'll, we'll try to break everything down. We're, we're gonna have to end up getting to some stuff tomorrow as well. So I just know that's going to be the case. There's just too much going on. The game starts obviously. Kyrie is back. Uh, he's ba- he's back in the fold here. That we knew this was going to happen, so it wasn't a uh, it wasn't you know a surprise by any means. He enters the starting lineup. Joe Harris is removed. Was there any? I, I don't know. Did you? Is there anything to glean from that? Were you surprised at all about that move? We kind of we kind of expected that was going to be the case. Yeah. Um, no. No. I'm not surprised by it, especially in his first game back. And with Harden here, you want to get these guys all out there together. It will be. This is the. And going forward, just how do you how do you flesh out the first and second units 
uh, as currently constituted. But no, you expected Kyrie to be out there on the floor, and I think I kind of expected how this game started with really KD and uh, Harden just kind of saying, yeah, Kyrie, go get yours. Let's get you cooking here early, and he did. He knocked down a lot of shots early. He was the main scorer for them, at least early on in this. Um, And unfortunately, the familiar theme there, especially in the first quarter, again for Brooklyn, is turnovers. You know, they had five turnovers in the first five minutes, I think, before they went on the glorious 10-for-10 run. Well, no, it was actually, I was I was going to say that, that I thought that that first seven or so minutes of the game sort of defined what this whole game was going to be because yeah. their first 15 possessions were either a turnover or a made shot. That was their first, that, that was how they spent the first 15 possessions of this game. And it was, it, 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 it simultaneously looked beautiful and awful, depending on which possession you saw. Some of the, the turnovers were absolutely brutal and the shots that they made were awesome. And it really felt like that ended up being, it just ended up defining what the rest of the game was like. They have these moments of just, oh, everything's clicking and you can really see what's going to happen here. And then it, and then the next moment, the ball is headed somewhere different, or there's confusion about the offense. So, yeah, I, I it was, was the greatest high know- school romance, right? All the highs yeah, and just- lows, and just really condensing it down into a short time frame. No happy ending in this one. So, well, that's a double entendre there. So the um, <laughs> so in the end, well, so I don't even want to get to the end. So the, the in the the way the things were sort of flowing, we had kind of promised ourselves, or at least I said it last podcast, that I was not going to make any grand determinations about the state of the offense or the state of the Nets after this one game. I found myself having a difficult time holding myself to that as mm-hmm. the as the game went on and not going into hot take country. But did you think that from what you saw in the first quarter, at least in the first half, let's say, that uh, did you feel that there was enough to to kind of were, were there enough positives to take away from either, at least early in this game, or maybe the whole thing to say, okay, I can I, I'm going conceptually, I can kind of see this working. Yeah, yeah, I think having three of the best players in the NBA will do that for you, and and I do think because the first two games for Harden with KD really showed us something, as we highlighted last time, that we hadn't seen yet, even in the KD-Kyrie era. Now, I, I didn't expect this to be the smoothest first showcase for all three of these guys, but what I think I can I can like from this is that James Harden, James Harden likes being the facilitator role, or he's at least very willing to lean into it. And then the secondary piece, as we had kind of confirmed here these last two games, three games now as well, Kevin Durant can just get his whenever he wants to, kind of. So he, you know, there is no, when does Kevin Durant need to get into his rhythm? He's, he's always in rhythm. He shows up in rhythm. So he can, and him, Harden as well, really, can both very much sit back and relax and let Kyrie find his flow and then operate off of that. You know, as we worked your way through this game, both Harden and KD were, again, high assist numbers. They were looking to facilitate again. So I, I think that the dynamic between all three of these guys can work the question again still just becomes i don't want you know move past it too quickly here but just the second unit right it, it, it's the supporting cast because we again saw a nice performance you know from Jeff Green for phases this as well it's the defensive piece that we know we're not worried about uh, these three guys together are going to be great and then this is what i avoided on twitter by when i you know typed out a lot of things and then deleted them back and said no i don't need to bother making this like you said hot take statement about the state of this defense or the state of the offense and what this is going to look like everything's going to be fine you just have to be willing to, to show patience around it because none of this stuff clicks in an instant 
Yeah, I didn't find myself being all too surprised at what was happening on the court, except for the, it was a little sloppier than I expected. But I, I didn't feel like there would be, you know, we, you know, you mentioned the piece with the Harden and Katie sort of flowing in those first two games where it looked very fluid and it looked it looked very natural. I didn't mm-hmm. get the same sense of that from this. Uh, I We kind of also knew that was going to be the case just because of the nature of the guy that you were adding into the mix. So I don't, I'm not surprised by... I'm not. I am not surprised by any of that stuff. I think there's probably there's definitely you know kinks to be worked out. There's huge high end upside. I think we saw that in in fits and spurts here as well, where they where they can kind of just go on runs. We're going to get to the second half. I do. We got to talk about this late game stuff too. I got. I do have some criticisms of Nash here coming into this uh, for the first time this season. So just prepare yourself because I think Nash has to put a little. There's a, not the whole thing obviously, but there's a little bit here near the end of the game that I think he probably needs to get called to task a little bit on first got to talk to talk to you about our friends over at rock auto i was taking a walk with my wife yesterday we're walking down a street and we hear a noise coming down and it's just a car coming down the street muffler just dragging along the back of this car and i thought i first thing I said to her, they didn't go they didn't go to rock auto i could just tell i could just tell by the, <laughs> the state of that muffler that they had not it was it would have been so easy Rock Auto, absolute best car part website out there right now. It's a family-run business, and right, you know, I'm sure this person thought this too. Fixing your car can be intimidating. You don't really know what to do. You're going to take them to the mechanic. They're going to just charge you crazy prices. You're going to go to the local auto place. They're going to charge you crazy prices as well. Not the case with Rock Auto. You go over there right now, you can save the 30 50% off what you usually find in manufacturer stuff in your local place. You have to go to Rock Auto dot com easily searchable database almost every make and model out there like i said family-run business so you know you're getting a good honest approach to how they distribute car parts you go to rockauto.com the catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate you can quickly see all the parts available for you and all you have to do right now when you go to rockauto.com when they ask how did you hear about us you typed in locked on in that little box right there. And they'll, they'll know you sent you, and that's all you need to do. RockAuto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Hey, it's Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Friends, when you need that fantasy basketball advice, it's important that you have a reliable source. Doug and I are currently competing against that reliable source, such as one Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball. And then, of course, any other fantasy basketball podcast out there, don't bother. Don't even sniff it. Don't even taste it. Go ahead and stick with the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast with trusted host Josh Lloyd. Subscribe to the number one, by the way, fantasy basketball podcast, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, wherever you get your podcasts. So the the uh, the late game the late game stuff here around Steve Nash because I think we've gleaned this a little bit in the first couple of games nothing that we were you know going to be concrete on more more to say the growing pains are going to be here not just for the players on the court but also the coaching staff I you didn't you didn't uh, discuss this with me ahead of time I'm curious if it's about the reaction and response time for Steve Nash and decision making as you get late in games and maybe missing the opportunity to make a choice, make a switch in terms of personnel, or even use a timeout to just strategize with the guys on the floor. Yeah, so the the second half, I'll just we'll kind of fast forward through some of this. The second half goes pretty standard. The Nets do make a really nice comeback in the fourth quarter where they really kind of that's where they really put the pedal to the metal and are able to dial up the scoring in a way that we kind of got used to. And so we start to see that, and, and and why sort of with the Nets, no lead is really going to be safe with them. You need to 
especially a team like the Cavs. They shut the lights out of the place, 50% from three in this game. A lot of them were really easy looks, uh, so the defensive issues still remain the same. But there was a few parts, few times in this game where I thought that things could have gone differently maybe. The first was at the end of regulation when Kyrie is when – they, when they get the rebound, they have two timeouts at that point. And I just yeah. don't know why – they didn't call a timeout. Kyrie, I, look, you have Kyrie in transition. about four and a half seconds, I think, on the clock. Wow, there might have even been more. Um, yeah, five and a half or so, but yeah, I right around was, there, though. There was plenty of time. There was plenty of time to call a timeout. They would have gotten the ball up over midcourt, and they could have drawn something up. Instead, they let Kyrie get into transition. Kyrie is one of the best transition players in basketball, so you, it, that's still probably a pretty plus EV spot. But you also just have three of the most – like unguardable players in basketball. And you would think that being able to draw something up in a timeout would be superior to some cross matching. Things are getting weird in transition and they still had Drummond behind them with the foul. And so I just, even in the moment thought to myself, why are they not? Why did he not call a timeout there? You, you have these, you have three of the best like sort of toys on offense in all of basketball Mm -hmm. to draw something up for. And they just, they just didn't do it, and I and you know it was a really bang bang play with Kyrie. I think it could have gone either way. I thought Sexton, you know, kind of got pick, caught, caught picking his pocket. I'm actually a little surprised they overturned it because of how they called it in the moment. I didn't. I, to me, there really wasn't enough to overturn it, but whatever. If they did, that worked out for the Nets instead of being the offensive foul because Sexton would have gone to the line. But did you feel? I have another. I have another moment here too. But did you feel that same thing? in why they didn't call the timeout and just slow it down and just draw something up for one of these three guys. I was, I was kind of just shocked. Well, so a month from now, I would understand not calling the timeout in that spot because by then these guys have figured out their rhythm. You know what you want to look to do there. Push the tempo. Don't let the defense get set, et cetera. So if I, if I'm going to lean into it to your point, it's, hey, we don't even really know what we want to do here per se or what the best look might be for us. So getting that timeout and just resetting the table for everybody might make sense. And, and now listen, more often than not, when you have that kind of talent on the floor, maybe you just feel like, you know, we can outmatch them. So let's just go and get this look. I tend to agree with you. You call the timeout, give yourself a second to reset. The The ironic piece here, and I don't know if this is if this is maybe where you're going to go. I don't want to jump ahead. At the end of the first overtime, though. Yeah, that's my next thing. When they have the inbounds yep. play, it ends up going. It's it's inbounded from Kyrie to KD. They critiqued on the broadcast of maybe taking a little bit too long to get it into him, and he ends up having this you know fadeaway three point attempt that really isn't a good look. So you know retroactively, I go maybe that's why you don't call a timeout because we're not exactly sure what we're going to run here. And, and again, maybe an indictment at least early stages on, on Steve Nash about. You got to be work even even if you didn't know which three you were going to have or two of them you're going to have on the floor. You got to have a better sequence here in these late game situations because you are the better team. You are the more talented team. You need you need to be getting these guys in better spots to have quality looks to win a game. And that was my exactly my next one. And yes. it was it was that it was that moment. It was they come out of the timeout with at the end of the first overtime, Kyrie is the inbounder. He looks I, I'm, I'm, I swear to God, I'm not retconning this. Where I am, I'm basing it off of what happened in the moment. I was very clear. He, the way he walked out of that timeout, I a 
he was I was like, well, he's not taking the last shot. I knew that right away. I could tell from his face that he that the play the play had not been drawn up for him. And I again, I'll never I swear to God, I'm nothing if not I've got a lot of faults. I'm I, I want to believe I'm a very honest person. Right. I'll never say I thought something if I did if I didn't I think it in the moment. That. Yeah. Okay, so I know I knew it in the moment. As, as he walked off the bench, that he was not taking the last shot. So then that was confirmed when he was the, when he actually walked and took and was the inbounder. And that, I don't have any problem with that. The 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 problem was the, the the if you want to say draw up a play, I don't even know what was drawn up. It, it was it was he stood there with the ball. KD they cleared out for KD who had Nance on him. Who's I mean look Kevin Durant's Kevin Durant, but you, Nance is their best defender. So mm-hmm. you're. It's not the best spot you could be in, especially when you can run a, maybe an action to get a switch or something, because the rest of the Cavs defenders are pretty bad, right? So he, they they ran nothing to get him away from Nance, and then predictably they get the ball in at the end of the five seconds, and he just takes a fadeaway three over their best and tallest defender that's on the court. Well, I guess Jared Allen's on the court that, at that point, but the, the you know they he gets a contested three fade or it's a long two fadeaway two, but I'm thinking. Well, what the f- what was drawn up? Nice <laughs> like, save. But 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 well, well wasn't well, sometimes uh, something like that will happen, and when you watched a bunch of other movement happen and nothing freed up, and that's the last possible yes. thing. But uh, that didn't happen either. No one moved. There was no one doing anything. Everyone just stood there. It was the play was an ISO play for Durant. That was the play, and I'm kind of just thinking, I mean. We have other options besides that. So yeah, no, you're exactly right. It was the it, it was the two sequences, but they were both. Yeah, you let them you let them play, but there was nothing better to draw up. So I don't know. You're you're, you're right. You're right in, in considering that. But I just I was it was the first time where I thought about Nash. I thought, oh, okay, well the X's the, these were maybe a few mis- missteps. Mm-hmm. Like, they're correctable. This is early season. This game when at the end of the season, I doubt we're thinking about it, but. In the moment, those were those are two very clear thoughts I had that these these two things for the first time I thought were on Nash. And I also I think in that in that final sequence, not not to again overanalyze it, but we've seen several times, and I don't and this isn't to say that there was enough time to have this sequence play out the way we maybe have have had it happen in the past. But Joe Harris is is a very capable inbounder, and you, you've often found that when he can inbound, then he goes ahead and rolls out there to the top of the key and gets himself a perimeter look. Now I'm not saying there was going to be enough time in that sequence to accomplish that same goal but but I, I I think I I probably prefer and we know Joe is capable of 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 running and you know creating space but I might say are we better off having Kyrie Harden and KD out there on the floor out there in space between one another and saying okay this is our best bet to create an open look for any one of them. And one of these three guys should have a look. And I, and Joe Harris is more than capable of getting a shot for himself as well. But, but I, I think I'd rather see Kyrie out there on the floor as opposed to being the trigger man, because then it at least opens up the opportunity that as the play unfolds, you have that additional secondary third option, depending on what it looks like, especially if you say, you know, Larry Nance Jr. Okay, that's a more difficult matchup. So who's on Harden? Who's on Kyrie Irving, right? And maybe a better look develops there. To your point, it's not going to matter in the grand scheme of things, but the next time we do find a similar type, this can be at the end of a quarter, end of a half, end of a game, I'm going to be watching again to see what the set is and what the play is that gets run. Because the last thing you did mention there was nobody was really moving. (laughs) <laughs> this isn't no, there, no move it didn't all. seem like there was a specific play being drawn up it was more just hey you're out there and the ultimate goal here is to get it to Kevin Durant 
but something, some other action has to be running in the background to create some separation for him and at least create a pocket where he can work with. And he literally had, it was caught in the corner with nothing else to do, but hoist up and off balance and not your ideal looking shot. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I'll, I'll I'll take movement first. Let's get some movement, yep. and then we'll <laughs> inbounder be darned. I, I just, I, the, the 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 startling lack of movement off that was, I thought it was just kind of in your face. So, again, not the end of the world, but just, I think this is the first time, I'm just, I'm marking it down, because I will say that this is probably the first time on the podcast this season that I've criticized, specifically criticized Nash for something, and I think it's warranted. I think those two plays... Uh, to me, in the end, did stand out. All right, let's talk about our friends over at betonline.ag. You know these guys. You want to get bets in. There's really no better trusted place. It's the place we use. All the action you could ever want. NFL games coming up. Great weekend of NFL. Uh, we also have NBA, which is rolling every night. I have a feeling that I'm going to be t- putting some... Uh, Put some cheddar here on the Nets against this next. I think they blow the Cavs out next game. That's my that's my bet online prediction. Without seeing the early line, I think it was minus nine and a half going into this game. I suspect it's somewhere around the same number. I think I'm going to like that number a lot. I think the Nets pour it on to get on BetOnline.ag right now. You can sign up for a free account and you use the promo code Locked On for a fifty percent welcome bonus uh, right now. Don't sit on the sidelines. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code locked on receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Oh, Doug, I like to think that I'm pretty smart in all phases of my life, really, but I'm always looking to get smarter. And if you want to get basketball smart, it starts by listening to the Hollinger and Duncan podcast, part of the locked on podcast network. NBA analytics pioneer and front office insider John Hollinger joins Dunked On podcast host Nate Duncan to bring you all those scouting reports, the game breakdowns, the salary cap analysis, especially if you're looking to maybe fill a couple extra roster spots on a particular team with championship aspirations. These are the guys to go to. Subscribe to the Hollinger and Duncan podcast today, wherever you get those podcast needs fulfilled. Now, I do want to, uh, there is a tip of the cap here to some former Nets, I think, that is, is at least worth noting. But but one other piece that some people were bringing up over on Twitter as well, and, and you can go into the coaching, I wondered if you were going to go this direction. At any point in that second overtime, did you think that there was a, a case to be made for a Bruce Brown to be brought in to try to pester Sexton in some way, shape, or form? Did that, did that ever cross no. your mind at all? Or is it just, listen, no. these are our best horses and that's who we're going to run with? Yeah, those are your best horses. Yeah. Look, so you you caught into you ran into a flamethrower there at the end. I don't really know what you do. The defense really wasn't even bad on him. Kyrie had a good contest on yeah. the three that got them uh, that that put them into the second overtime. So I thought that was fine. Uh, he, he just knocked down all the shots, and that was just the story. Now I wouldn't I wouldn't have made a defensive switch. And and I will say, typically for overtime situations, traditionally in the NBA, I'm, I'm not saying it never happens, but 99 times out of 100, I'd say. Unless there's a foul out situation, the team you walk into overtime with is the team you close with, and yeah. it's just if you go down with the ship, you go down with it. That's just that's just my experience watching just tons and tons of NBA. Is that that's there's almost never uh, just a strategic change made during overtimes. They just kind of roll with the, the units for you know for better or for worse. No, I, I don't think I would have. It's just not. I, I can kind of. I'm never a person that you should to say you should do always do with the thing that everyone does because that's what we do. But 
I'm for sort of continuity when it comes yeah. to overtime, I think. Um, but I think, look, I could, I could be wrong about that, but no. The the second overtime, look, it just got away from them. I actually have a quick question for you about, mm-hmm. and it has to do with overtime, and it has to just do with the state of the flow of the game. Do you think, and this is not an overreaction, it's more just a question about shot distribution. So we saw at the end of the first half, and I'm, I'm going to talk about the overtime this as well. At the end of the first half, the shot distribution was, there was six, no wait, yeah, yeah, six guys on the team on the Nets that had more shots than James Harden at halftime, right? So it's not even just that Kyrie Irving had the most shots. It was just that TLC had more shots than, than Harden at halftime. It was Ideally, just, as, you, as, you draw, <laughs> as you draw it up in the pregame speech. Well, so I'm wondering about if, if that's something that we need to be, not in the overaction department, but need to be concerned about it, if that this shot distribution is sort of indicative of how they want to play with Kyrie because we saw that the overtimes – Again, it was, hey, look, Kyrie just took bad shots. That's all. The, it's, he, he can, he's a bad shot maker, so I guess I can understand it. But there was a lot of just long twos and in-traffic fadeaways and stuff like that. And, and it, it, there did feel at times there was a your turn, my turn kind of piece. So not to be concerned about it, but I don't know. It, it, it was a little weird for me that Harden deferred so much in this game. And I'm not sure he did it totally by choice, but we saw that really play out in the final like the second part of the first overtime and then the entire overtime where until KD got kind of cooking a little bit, it really was all Kyrie and it just really didn't work. Yeah. I, you know what? I, I I think this is Harden. Yeah. I'll, I'll go firmly with it. This is Harden saying I'm, I'm the new guy coming into this room. I know who I am just like Kevin Durant. Yeah. Right. I, 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 we, we mentioned this last episode. It's Kevin Durant. It's James Harden. And then it's Kyrie Irving. And that's not a knock on Kyrie. You're just on a team with two players that are better than you overall. There will come a day when Harden doesn't need to say it. They'll just kind of understand that Kyrie, you're going to have to slide down this pecking order. But for the first game back after missing seven for the first time on the floor with the other two superstars in Cleveland, a former team where you won a championship. I, I think that that's what they wanted this game to be. I think that they wanted it to be the Kyrie is back and we look great and he wins this one, right? And then, again, like you say, you run into Sexton in, in that second overtime and you end up losing. But I don't think that this is a permanency of Harden's role because, like you said, he ends up taking 14 shots by the time this is all said and done. So if he had taken any number of looks in the first half, You'd feel a lot better about it, and I still and I still stand by the fact that the ten rebounds and twelve assists in his line is fine. You can you know grab me another five shots for him. He'd be up to nineteen and take those away from Irving and bring him down into the low twenties, right around where Durant is at twenty five. I think that that's a healthy place that you can live in. So did Irving shoot too much? Yes, he did. Is Harden a better, more balanced shooter? Yes, he is, and I think that it'll work itself out in the long term. But you know, in this little microcosm. You wanted to be high-fiving Kyrie walking off the off the floor as he led the team to a great victory in his first game back. Yeah, I totally agree. So I was trying to try to make it into a reaction, but uh, just I thought it was worth it was worth noting because it was a it was a very disparate in terms of in terms of how the shots were just distributed yeah, in, yeah. mostly when you just look at hard. Okay, a couple yeah. more points before we get out of here. Is this an all-time troll game by Torian Prince? Is there, a, is, there a, is, there, yeah. is there a better example of a guy who just comes in and just – even even Richard Jefferson got in. By the way, all one of the all-time great announcing jobs by the trio tonight. 
of Ianico Kustak and Richard Jefferson. They were hilarious Phenomenal. during this. Oh product. yeah, it was awesome. There were so many quotes. Jefferson had a great one where he said, "Oh, now he chooses the time to hit back-to-back threes." He even called out Torian Prince, like, and and he was right. Torian Prince, seventeen points. I can't even say. This by the way, by the, by the way, though, just because I love it. Yeah, catch your catch your breath there for a second. When, when they get into the meat and potatoes incident, which oh, was, was you know, too. yeah, unfortunate and hilarious, and then Richard Jefferson starts doing a a comical kind of analysis of what's occurring there. Ian Eagles, do you have a medical background, Richard? Like yeah. it's just they, they are, yeah, they're doing they're a routine, man. That that's a thing you take on the road. He's a, uh, Ian Eagle had another one when he called uh, Kevin Durant's uh, the first ten points. He said it was a Bo Derek, a ten, yes. a ten for ten, which I thought was a great reference. Anyway, Torian Prince in just an absolute troll job: seventeen points, seven rebounds, four assists, three for five from three, a plus twenty. Now a lot of that's on the back of the plus twelve from Sexton in the second overtime. So whatever. Still, he cl- he closes that win against the Nets. Jared Allen obviously was really really good too. I, 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 the Jared Allen thing I less is less trolly to me for some reason because he was just sort of excellent when he was with the Nets but uh, the Prince thing where he's just all of a sudden hyper efficient can't miss a single thing super active in every asset of the, facet of the game you're like okay hold on a second um, <laughs> and it wasn't for lack and it wasn't for lack of opportunity either it's just we never I don't I don't think did he ever get a Torian Prince game like this in the last year and a half or however long they were he was playing actual meaningful minutes I, there was never it wasn't even a year and a half I guess it was a year year plus but do we ever get a game like this? I have to go back and look, but I, I don't I don't believe there was anything like this efficiency and this sort of um, consistency well, <laughs> across the stat line. I want to I want to be, be very positive in that that, that uh, we uh, never uh, saw well, this. Ironically, if we go back and look, because I'll try I'll do it in real time here. I think I recall that he had a game like this this season, but by the way, it was sandwiched in the middle of two of his worst performances. So sometimes what is with Torian Prince is like, you don't even get a chance to appreciate a quality performance because he immediately turns it back around and gives you, you know, that, that terrible look that you don't want to see from him. I'm, I'm trying to look through those numbers a little bit here. And I could have been, I may have been misleading myself on that one uh, to be fair as well. So you're right. It is. And, and by the way, though, like if you're Torian Prince, you come in, you're supposed to be getting set up to be here for these new guys. You play last year, you get, if you're forced to play out of position, you, you get, everyone, everyone around Netsland is saying that you're overpaid and we're giving you too much money and look, you know, you're, you're not worth it. Then you finally get to this year where you think you're going to get back into the role that you want. And 11 games into the season, they're like, oh, thanks so much, buddy. You're a salary dump for us now. So if, if anybody was going to be hyped about this game it's certainly going to be Torian Prince and and it's mostly just funny than anything else the I will say for all of the DeAndre Jordan and he is just I tell you what he's a beast from within six inches anything inside of six inches this guy is going to destroy for you and and the lob game is strong and everyone was blowing that up obviously even the last couple games with Harden but in a game when nothing felt more glaring than the lack of interior presence Jared Allen having four blocks against the Nets yeah. kind of felt like the definition of irony in a lot of ways. Oh, it was both. It was just, it was the whole thing. It was all the stuff you yeah. couldn't get. It was the super hyper efficient three point shooting plus all the interior <laughs> defense. And that's what they gave. That's what they gave to the Cavs and helped will them to victory. We're going to talk a little bit more about this game tomorrow. There was a lot of stuff still to get to. We'll preview what's coming up again next. Uh, they play Cleveland again. So maybe a lot of it will be on the back of that. We'll get up to it all tomorrow when we preview that. In the meantime, you can help the podcast by rating and reviewing it. Five stars or bust. Write a little line about Adam and I. If you can, it helps us climb the podcast charts. I got to say, I've said this, uh, I've said this almost, you know, once or twice a week about our numbers climbing. 
it's only because the numbers just keep climbing. So I'm not just saying it's the numbers have been <laughs> right. So I'm never lying each time that I say it. Um, it's just yeah. that each time I've said it, the numbers have just steadily climbed since we jumped on the podcast about two months ago. And it's just makes it super invigorating to show up here every day and talk Brooklyn Nets. We would have done it anyway, but it just makes it all that much easier. So much appreciated for everyone that's out there. Those new listeners that have come on in the short term that we've seen really spike these numbers. We really appreciate it. Hope you keep listening, rating, and reviewing the podcast is the number one way to help. Let's keep things positive here. Everything negative, pressure, challenges are all an opportunity for me to rise. Kobe Bryant. Oh, one of the all-time great American poets. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.